traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land. land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Tonight, we board another plane for the fifth dimension, and you'd think after having a nightmare of 20,000 feet in 1963, and another in 1983, we'd have learned our lesson by now, but we haven't, but this time, our journey is gonna be 10,000 feet higher, so I'm sure we'll be fine. But thankfully, I'm not traveling alone. My two guests who are currently arguing over the window seat are with me on this journey, so, so Brandon, Brandon Shamatala, how you doing? I'm doing just peachy here, and I'll let you know, you know what, Zach can have the window seat, because when he goes psycho, blows out that window, I'm just going to push him out. <laughs> okay, great. So there we go, that's our, that's our other friend on the show tonight. Zach, how's things, man? I'm very happy to be here, Brad, and Tom. Fantastic. Any chance to bust out the Shatner, Zach takes it. <laughs> yes, Zach yes. is totally full of shat. <laughs> yeah no i'm very i'm very happy to be here i know tom you know we were doing our road to the twilight zone 2019 uh we talked about hey they're gonna remake nightmare at twenty thousand feet and then we got a tweet mm -hmm. from someone who works on the show and they said it's not a remake and we're like what does it mean and now we know and i'm looking forward to talking about it with you all it, it's kind of funny though that we were like because it was win rosenfeld who we we just had on the show it was him who tweeted us and said he was like guys it, it's not a remake and we're like what does that mean? <laughs> it just means it's not a remake, you know? So uh, It's a reimagining. Just like Tim yeah. Burton's Planet of the Apes. It's just a reimagining, y'all. Just like it, <laughs> only a little bit better. Okay, well, we, we've had a bit of turbulence with our first episode here because I thought the first episode on the things that I saw pre-release was going to be a replay, um, but it didn't turn out to be the case. So you guys... Jumped on board quickly because things seem to change. And because I've already recorded the episode for replay, things changed at the last minute. So this is our first episode now. Um, it's being broadcast simultaneously with the comedian. So I guess it depends what people uh, watch first. And I'm going to put out the episode on the comedian in about six days' time. So they're nicely spaced out. But I will say at the end of the show how people can get their thoughts onto the podcast about these two episodes. So, before we get into that, though, uh, Zach, your favorite episode of The Twilight Zone is Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Is that right? That's correct. I, I don't know if it's because I'm a Star Trek fan, because you know, I grew up with all this stuff, mm -hmm. watching with my parents at such a young age. I was like, oh, it's Captain Kirk and The Twilight Zone, right? <laughs> you know, But that is, so it's, I, I can never separate those things. I know it's William Shatner, and I know it's Captain Kirk, and I know it's The Twilight Zone. But also, just all that aside, just the, the whole the whole visceral element of like you're on an airplane and something crazy's happening, and like you were mm -hmm. you were like the most helpless you will be as a human being when you were a passenger on an airplane, you know, because like what control do you have over anything? And when you you, uh -huh. you factor that into just the whole like the whole just horror factor, especially when you see this episode as a child, like you open up a window and there's a monster mm -hmm. staring back at you. That is terrifying. Like we could all say, Oh, it looks fake and stuff. I, it, it, it still looks creepy. And you're a kid. That is the most terrifying thing you'll ever see in your life. So those are the things that kind of imprinted on me 
uh, as being my favorite mm-hmm. episode of the Twilight Zone. And it's high drama. It's great acting. You know, there's a lot of you know having him had a, the, the character of Robert Wilson having gone through a psychotic break before doing this, and so people think he's happening. It's happening to him again. He thinks it might be happening to him again. There's a lot to overcome there. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. layers. It's not. It's not just the like opening up the window and, and and back and forth and seeing the guy on the wing. It's fun. I love the parodies of it as well. But there's a lot more to it than that. And that mm-hmm. does remain yeah. my favorite episode of Twilight Zone. So when they said there was gonna, they were going to remake it, in theory, in title, perhaps, only, uh, for this one, uh-huh. my interest was piqued. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Now, talking of remakes, Brandon, you know, what, one of the things I like about you, Brandon, is you never bow to received wisdom <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. You, you like what you like, which is a great quality. Um, and it sounded like a backhanded compliment of some kind. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was walking a tightrope there. I might have fallen off it. But, <laughs> you know, but you you have some thoughts about the movie version, don't you? In the in term, you know, when you relate it to that original one, mm-hmm. I think the I prefer the Lithgow version. Like that, like that doesn't reduce the quality of the Shatner version. Like the Shatner version, it's a five star episode. It's definitely one of the mm-hmm. best episodes of the original Twilight, and it's not my favorite episode. Mine's still the Midnight Sun. I love the Midnight Sun. But um, the, I prefer the Lithgow version of Nightmare at whatever thousand feet because I believe it's more scary. It's a lot more frightening. You know, the the monster in it on the plane is like way more believable. I understand that it's like an animatronic. But mm-hmm. in the Shatner version, it's like this big fluffy stuffed bear, you know, <laughs> like with this weird, bizarre, distorted face that reminds me of the one where they take off the masks and they've got the face underneath is the same. I don't know. Like it's probably done uh-huh. by the same guy. But when that monster grabs Lithgow's face, like that's a terrifying moment in the episode. And the, the way that it's directed, you know, it, it feels more constrained and more panic driven because of the camera angles, the tight camera angles that the, the director chose. I don't even know who the director is. I think it's the guy that did Mad Max. Yeah, it's, did it's this jo- George, yeah, yeah. George Miller did the movie version. And then George Miller, yeah. And then, yeah, Richard Donner did the TV version. I don't know who did this version, so we can talk about that. <laughs> but, the, you know, the tight angles of like, uh, Lithgow's direct point of view with that guy in front of him, you know, like just the mood of the movie and how tight the airplane is because, you know, in Shatner's version, you can tell that it's like a set and there's a lot of room because they needed the camera to move around. And it's just the tightness of it really, really makes it truly terrifying for me. And that's why I love that version of it more. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, we will get into this version in a moment, but there's a couple of things that I want to touch on with you guys first because there are two topics at hand really there is the episode in terms of the story and so on but there's also we've got new twilight zone Mm. so let us before we get into the story let us talk a minute about what you think of the opening credits the design of the thing you know the music what are your thoughts on those well i think that i i I, seeing the new opening credits of the twilight zone Right. Uh, it's interesting because the Twilight Zone they had a different opening credits every time, so it's not mm-hmm. so it's not like oh you they changed this like the original show changed this. So it's there's a lot more leadway for them to change things. So I think that's totally fine. Uh, I do remember the '80s one because I've been revisiting more with the Twilight Zone aftermath. So the I love the music and the visuals and that. Uh, the lack of narrator is is 
is a weakness point on that. Not only the on that mm. opening credits, but on the sometimes the episodes themselves don't have a narrator at the beginning or end or host. Uh, yeah. And I, I was trying to remember because I haven't revisited in a long time the two thousands show, and I I honestly can't remember <laughs> what the what the intro of it is. Uh, but I I felt like watching this one. It was similar to that one. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's fine, you know, because it, it, this is the 21st century. We're updating, you know, the, the iconography is just updated. So, so b- bottom line is, I liked it. I saw all the the Twilight Zone signposts, so to speak. You know, the window breaking, the eyeball, all that stuff. And and then the, of mm-hmm. course the music was there. So and then Jordan Peele's narration. So mm. great, like two thumbs up. That's really all I have to say about the opening. Yeah, I think the opening is really fantastic as well. Um, it does harken back to the season four and five uh, main title sequence more than the others. Mm. Um, again, I still prefer the season one because I love Bernard Herrmann's music, right? That's my favorite uh, Twilight Zone intro. But it does harken to that one, which is the more memorable one. Um, I know that when I finally did my very first Twilight Zone rewatch, uh, like the very first time I saw all of them, I was actually quite surprised that there were so many different versions because I knew the season four and five one. I had began mm-hmm. to appreciate the season one. But even in, in season one, that was changing all the time, right? right. Like, it wasn't the same main title. Sometimes you had the the eye just coming up from the horizon, things like that. But yeah, the eye is there, which is constant. Um, it It's trying to say, look, we're trying to be true to the original by having all these visual cues that we've seen before, as well as the original music, uh, which I think is really cool. And Jordan Peele telling us, I'm, I'm doing my best to maintain to the values of the original. And I, I love it. Um, I want to jump into how much I love the end credits though mm. yeah. because i i'm more loving the end credits than the opening <laughs> ones because the end credits are a direct tie to the twilight zone original series with the one image one shot from the episode with the the names and the dots in between and yes. whatnot like i don't know i just i love it i love that little attention to detail it's small but it's like hey he's doing a really good job and he's telling the fans we want to keep it we want to keep it true and i think he's doing a really good job with just those two aspects right there yeah, Brandon, I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought up the end credits because uh, I identified that as well. Like, oh, that's the same font, is the same. Like, yeah. the, the, everything feels exactly the same, just a color widescreen image. Also, big round of applause, everyone, for this show, putting the title of the mm. episode on the episode. Yeah. I have complained about this for about 15 years now with television shows. Interpri- Star Trek Enterprise, right? The last show, to my memory, that will sh- put the title of the episode on the episode. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why TV shows stop doing this. It literally takes 10 seconds all right, to just fade that up and fade it down instead of like, hey, did you guys see last week's episode of whatever? Oh, which one was that? Well, it was the one where this happened because no one knows episode titles anymore because they don't put mm-hmm. them on the shows. So I was, so I was, mm-hmm. I was curious to see if they, if they continue that, and they did. I was very happy. To see that and again, same font, right, <laughs> mm-hmm. as the original Twilight Zone. So, so I know that's such a small thing, but like I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I agree with you 100. I love that they put the title, and I noticed that as well with this one. I'm like, yes, thank you. I wish they would do that with the shows that I watch, but nobody does. But I will slap a trivia yeah. on you, Zach, in that season one and two of the Twilight Zone didn't put the episode title on it. You know, it's funny. I I realized that a few years ago at some point because I've been watching Twilight Zone and off so long and and you know, so I think some Twilight Zone marathon on the Sci-Fi channel I realized, "Wait, where's the title?" And but but it does <laughs> but it does come up at a full screen at, at the, the end, end credits. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. at least it's there because these all yep. these episodes have titles. Every they TV do. show, any episodic scripted show has a title. Mm-hmm. 
They should just put it on the screen. So I don't have, and it's so important just for clarity. Mm-hmm. The title's important. <laughs> it's a part of the episode. It's how you associate it, which is why Voyager ticks me off so much because these one-word nonsense titles. But that's the a void. different story. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, enough of your Star Trek therapy <laughs> sessions, guys. <laughs> you know, let's get <laughs> let's get back to this one. <laughs> no, but I, I agree. It's um, it feels to me. Let's say Twilight Zone never went off the air, and it just kind of evolved over the years. You know, I I don't really like the two thousands version. You know, it's got electric guitar, and it, it's just sort of like, I think. Uh, the guy from Corn did it, or something yes, like that, yes. and it and it's sort of like reinvention for reinvention's sake. We got to put a cool new twist on this thing, and it's like uh, I don't know, man. Keep it classic, you know. Update it, sure. You you've got to evolve, but just keep it classic as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Now the other thing, and we we won't get too much into it, but. Because we've spoken before about certain parts of Twilight Zone iconography being in this new series, there's the Mystic Seer we saw in the trailer, um, and that pops up in Replay. And in this, we see uh, the the cuddly toy of mm. uh, the gremlin from the original episode. So how do you feel about these little things popping up like that? I love it because, again, it's hearkening and it's making it that it's all within the same universe somehow. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed uh, one of the things in Nightmare at 30,000 feet here, but when they went for the magazine, did you notice on the rack above it was the, I, I don't know his name, I'm sorry, the actor's name from The Comedian. Oh, Camille Nanjani. Oh, yeah. oh, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so when in, in Nightmare 30,000 feet, when they get to it, when they both reach for the magazine, the rack above them is filled with magazines of The Comedian. Mm. You know, so like there's still references in there. And while I... I I didn't get a chance to watch them all. Like, he is seeding things throughout it. Like, I, I don't know if you noticed, Tom, but I, I think that the brand of MP3 player that we see in Nightmare 30,000 Feet is the same as the camcorder. I might be wrong on that, but I think that it's the same one. So I, I don't think he's just drawing things back to the original, which is wonderful, I think he's going to be like dropping things throughout other episodes. And I think once we've watched all 10 and we go back, we'll see other little, uh, you know, things that have been seeded throughout the show that are callbacks to other episodes. And I, what I think about that and what I love about it is it's showing that this is a timeless show. All these things mm-hmm. are taking place and it's like you open a door to imagination and it's like, which door are you opening? So instead of, you know, what, what is that? 159 from, from the original. Twilight Zone plus whatever from the, you know, let's say 300 episodes. I don't know. Let's say 300 episodes. So now instead of 300 mm-hmm. doors, we've now got 310 doors that are all connected, right? I don't know how yeah. many episodes there yeah. are, but you guys understand the point that I'm trying to make. So they're all within some type of Twilight Zone reality, and they're all interconnected. And I think we're going to see a lot of that throughout the show to come. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, th- I think it shows a, a definite like knowledge and respect for what came before. Even if it's just an Easter egg, and obviously we haven't seen all the episodes, but we've had the opportunity mm. to see more than just this one. And I, I've identified one Twilight Zone item from the original show in every episode that we've seen so far. And I can say what they are because they're great surprises when you see them. And they are blink if, blink and you miss them. 
You know, I think some of people mm-hmm. will see more because of what was featured in the trailer, which you've rewatched and rewatched and rewatched. Is a good Twilight Zone fan, I'm sure. Uh, but but I like that. And to your point, Brandon, it's kind of like in the original show. And Tom, I forget the name of like the what the whiskey or something that they have on, on the Twilight Zone that Brandon doesn't exist. You yeah. know, so that kind of makes the, everybody's gold drinking something. yeah gold something. <laughs> like it, it makes this fake brand that only exists in the Twilight Zone. That kind of those kind of connections are are fun. Mm-hmm. And it's fan service done right because if you catch it awesome for you and if you don't it doesn't affect the enjoyment of the episode Mm -hmm. you know it's not something that the plot of the episode is relying on it's just there it's literally an easter egg and if you find it it's a nice little treat and if you don't find it whatever Uh, yeah i you know i won't say more on that because i I agree with you guys it's just a nice little reference you know take it or leave it you know I've, i've spoken about this many times we want there to be a sort of cohesiveness about the twilight zone and we want it to be something, but we don't want to understand it too much, you know? So I, I think having little bits like this, it, it just helps create that feeling that there's something bigger going on here, you know? But we don't necessarily need to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've uh, we've gushed enough about those things. Let's get back onto the plane and we'll uh, dig into Nightmare at 30,000 feet. And please be aware, there will be spoilers throughout the episode, so if you haven't seen it yet, please watch the episode before listening to this podcast. First broadcast on the 1st of April 2019, written by Glenn Morgan and Marco Ramirez, directed by Greg Yutanez. Justin Sanderson is an investigative journalist who is at the airport to catch a flight. He meets a friendly fellow traveller called Joe, who recognises him from a TV debate, and the two find themselves on the same plane. But Justin is a twitchy flyer, and we hear that he struggled with his mental health after things he's been exposed to during his career. What makes things worse is that when he sits down to listen to a podcast, he finds that the host of the show seems to be foretelling the impending doom of his flight. Can he use the knowledge from the podcast to save everybody on board or is the whole thing just in his head anyway? Okay, well, the, the first obvious thing that I I think about this episode is if you're going to listen to a podcast on a flight, make it the Twilight Zone <laughs> podcast, and then you'll be okay. But, um, you know, uh, let's, uh, let's touch upon something before we get into the story, because it's a very important part of the Twilight Zone, and it's something that I always talk about with the original show, Jordan Peele's opening narration, guys. What are your thoughts? I was wondering if he was going to be on the plane, you know, because they're panning through the seats. I'm like, is he going to like turn around and <laughs> be on the plane? Uh, but I think having yeah. him on the screen was a, was a great way to incorporate him in the scene without having him to be physically in the scene. Because you know, we've all been on airplanes nowadays. They have these screens. They show you all the flight safety information and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, and also, not to get ahead, but he's physically on screen at the beginning and the end of that episode, which is something new that we never saw Rod Serling do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. It was an interesting way to get him into the episode. And I'm looking forward to more on how they're going to do this. Are they just going to have him sitting somewhere uh, or are they going to have him uh, on the screen or something like that? So that this was kind of interesting that they had it there and it was unexpected, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting way of doing it. I mean, I, w- I was kind of hoping for him to be sitting, <laughs> you know, uh, on one of the seats and we kind of go past him and he's opening his airplane dinner or something. No, maybe not that. But if, <laughs> it, you know, but 
it's a nice inventive way of doing it on the screen. And I'm guessing that Jordan Peele's probably got a lot going on and, you know, he's directing movies and this, that and the other. So he probably can't always be there. So that was a good way of doing it. But we know in other episodes that he is very much there. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this one this one was fine, you know, an inventive way of, of kind of doing it. So I liked it. Well, can I, can I ask you guys one thing? You, there, either you have watched Key and Peele. Are you familiar with his comedy work? No. I, I wasn't until this. So for me, he's he's like the Twilight Zone guy first and mm-hmm. Key and Peele second because I, I just catch clips of her on YouTube sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know he's even he's even said this. He's like, yeah, you know, I was kind of hesitant to be the on-screen guy because it's like, hey, it's the guy from Key and Peele. And, and it is true because so many Key and Peele skits kind of start like this. You're like... And 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 I serious and, 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 I, and they're all serious, you know. And then like it, it just goes crazy <laughs> off the rails. And like you see this, I'm like, man, like I'm, I'm waiting for Keegan Michael Key to pop up, you know, <laughs> to turn into a parody. Now, now that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. It's just it's just an interesting kind of have to recalibrate my mind. I'm like, all right, this is the Twilight Zone now. This is not Key and mm-hmm. Peel. So I think he he was concerned about that himself. But I think in the way that he's presented, in the way he presents himself. That is not an issue. You will not be distracted. You will not be waiting for some absurd comedy, you know, punchline to drop when you see him come up on screen. So there are later episodes where he does give a little kind of smile or a little tilt of the head, or you know, where there is that little bit of humor in him. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking to Win Rosenfeld and everything yesterday, that's what they said, that, and that's a kind of bonus to his because sailing done it sometimes as well you know he'd have a, a little bit of dry humor in there so so it's cool maybe we'll just go pretty loose with this one in terms of we won't step through the story we'll just kind of get into it and and see where this conversation takes us so zach let's go with you it was your favorite episode so we'll start with you man what do you think well it's very different than the original which i think is good mm-hmm. Uh, because did we need to see that story a third time? And then it's all you do is compare. Like I, I think if you're gonna if mm-hmm. you're gonna remake something or, or you know, that that's an immediately when they, when they say, oh, it's the Shatner episode on the plane. Everyone knows what that is. That's that's one of the most iconic episodes of the Twilight Zone. Period. No matter what you think about it, it's iconic. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think doing a new spin on that was smart. And it's so it's very 21st century, right? Because you got a guy listening to a podcast on an airplane, you know, and it's and it's it mixes a lot of things together because you have this like this mystical object he comes across because it's like a it's like a pod it's like a podcast from the future, but it's also kind of retro, which I like, which is a lot of the feel of of, of this new Twilight Zone is is kind of timeless and retro uh, because you see him have the mm-hmm. like the AirPods on first, and then he switches to this old school headset with this old looking mm-hmm. MP3 player, I mean, a dedicated MP3 player. How many people use those anymore? Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of having the self fulfilling prophecy of the thing is is very Twilight Zone. So I thought the episode was very Twilight Zone. I thought it was very mm-hmm. different from the original. Well, that was a good thing. Uh, although I kept when they kept sh- when they kept cutting to like the window shot, I just was like, "Is there going to be a guy out there at some point?" I would, I would love the monster to pop in, <laughs> right? Because you know that window shot they keep cutting to of, of, of the airplane. Uh, yeah. And then finally, I, I I will say, and this is something I want to talk to you because I was a little confused about this, mm. like this episode. I was slightly like, "Okay, what what exactly happened here, and what what did did certain people plant certain things and whatnot?" Uh, was it was it a big scheme by a certain character? 
Uh, I, I'm not sure, or was it just the Twilight Zone at work here? So uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see you guys' interpretations of what exactly took place in this story. But I, mm. but I did, I did like it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really awesome modern uh, uptake to the original episode, and I think it's great that they're launching with this episode because. You know, Zach, you commented on my post, but there was a Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone Facebook page. And, you know, I'm realizing now that fandom is no different across the shows. And you're going to have the haters and you're going to have the people that are excited for it. And on social media, the haters are the loud voices. And there was people complaining about this right away. They're like, another remake, another remake, boo hoo hoo. And I'm like, this is great. Twilight Zone is all about like remaking things like even in the 80s they remade stuff we talked about this before but i think it's great that they're starting with this episode because it's going to handle those complaints right from the get-go they're saying to the audience that's watching yes we're we're honoring the original but we're making it new and we're making it different so i think that's Mm. part of the reason why they did this episode and I think it's a very brave choice, and I think it's the proper choice. Um, I did love the episode, like Zach was saying, I love the idea of this retro-futuristic MP3 player, <laughs> retro for the technology, futuristic because of the podcast. Um, I, it, it just completely worked for me for a modern take of it, because we don't know what's going on. This is the predestination paradox. The guy's fulfilling the yeah. prophecy. You know, I love it. It is a very Twilight Zone idea. And I think it's great. I think it's I think it's an awesome episode. You know, I, I really loved it, to be honest. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. First and foremost, I, I really like Adam Scott. Mm, and yes. he always cracks me up with very little effort, it seems, on his part. He, he only has to say things a certain way. And that's his strength as a sort of comedic actor. And to see him bring it here... Uh, and use that in a different way. I think he was he was fabulous. Pretty tense, you know. Pretty tense uh, throughout. How's this going to play out? I, you know, and we're we're probably a, a quite a savvy audience these days. We're not as easy to fool, and this could go anywhere because we had a certain amount of expectation from the original. But the further you get into it, you realise that. It's it's just not you know mm-hmm. it's it's its own thing so so that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is this uh, other passenger on the plane, Joe, and I think he was pretty great too because he's such an unknown quantity. In that he's the kind of guy you sit there and have a conversation with him, and you know he he's fine. He's saying yeah, I, I you know we're getting on fine. I really like your work, whatever. But you just get a sense about them that. Something off with this guy. He could turn at any minute or or something, you know? Uh, What Mm -hmm. do you think of this character? From the beginning, I was put off by something in the episode. Like, there was a couple things in the episode that didn't work for me, but they they don't really detract from the episode for me. And one of them was the introduction of Joe... Um, to I'm I'm so bad with names. I'm sorry to the to the main character of the episode when they reach for the magazine. Like to me, that scene was weird. Because mm. it's like, oh, they both reached for the same issue, and they're like, no, you take it, you take it, no, you take it. Just Somebody just grab one of the other 40 copies that are there. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, like, why are we having this scene? This doesn't make any sense. And the only reason to have the scene is so that they can talk and we can get his name and show that they've met beforehand, and then this guy ends up coming on the same plane as him. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I... I'm I'm starting to point out a lot more writing things in my critique of the new shows that I'm watching, and this is that was just one aspect of the episode that didn't ring true for me. It felt a little forced, but as far as the character on the plane, 
Um, I mean, once he started asking about like the the marshal and stuff, I thought he was going to be the marshal. I thought that's where they were going with it. So I thought that was really interesting, a really good misdirect. Yes. Um, so that was mm-hmm. really well done. But yeah, that was interesting because this character kept coming up in like odd situations and weird glances and stuff like this, which put us as the viewer on on edge as well as the main character on edge. So I thought he was a really interesting variable in the episode, which paid off, which paid off interestingly in the end. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, Joe, I think, was a great character. He's probably my favorite character in this episode because he feels like he could have walked out of a 1950s Twilight Zone. Just the way mm-hmm. he, his mannerisms, the way he carries himself. He's just, he just drinking back there in his seat, not a care in the world, you know, just kind of so cool and nonchalant. <laughs> like, I, I can totally see this guy, like, you don't change one line of dialogue. I can see this guy in, a, in an original Twilight Zone episode. And, 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 and instead of the alcohol, he'd be smoking a cigarette on exactly, that plane, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it would be. Uh, but, but, and Tom, you're absolutely right. He's such an unknown quantity. You don't know what he, you don't know what his agenda is, what he's going to do, but you know something is up with this guy and it's going to come into play near the end. And it, and it does obviously in a big way. So I, and I, I loved Adam Scott, but I will say, I, I think this guy was probably the most interesting thing to watch because you were just trying to you're trying to get trying to get some kind of read on him you just can't i think the hero of the episode is that um that flight attendant the woman flight attendant i thought she was the hero of the episode sir please are you again (laughs) yeah she did great like i could just imagine how challenging it is to be a flight attendant on a plane like you're gonna have like every flight that i've been on maybe i just haven't seen it but i've never seen any crazy things go on but i could just picture that with the amount of flights that these people have to go on that they've got issues multiple times a week that they've got to deal with like very stressful mm. situations with agitated you know passengers and stuff like this and i think she did a very good job like being firm she's like look i understand that you're concerned but you need to go back to your seat and things like this i thought she was the hero of the episode myself well uh, you know mm-hmm. as you open up the as we kind of open up the conversation here to more things like i, I loved how how just smart this episode was like okay if this was happening in the real world what would people do they would bring out their cell phones and start filming yeah. it, right because yeah. how many how many videos like viral videos have you seen online of like some look this guy got kicked off the plane right and and you see this video right and then adam yeah. scott starts trying to bring attention to what's going on people start videoing him that plays into the podcast They're like well the last recorded evidence we have yeah. is when the passengers uploaded this video to the so like it all really does that is a very smart way to kind of feed yeah. into itself yeah, and it's a very mm-hmm. smart way to incorporate the modern times into it and bring it to now, and, because and there is technology changes. And as podcasters, I know we can all appreciate the fact that that was kind of the crux of the episode, right? <laughs> yeah, I watched it with Aubrey, and as soon as they said the podcast, my daughter turned and looked at me like, oh. <laughs> let me Let me dial things back a touch here, and maybe tie it into something else in, in the episode too, because, you know, Adam Scott, his character Justin has issues, you know, he's talking to his girlfriend on the phone early on in the episode, you know, clearly whatever issues he has are starting to impact his life, mm-hmm. and you could say that he is really just imagining what's on this podcast, you know what I mean? It's the same way Shatner could have been imagining the gremlin on the wing. This could just be his own anxieties ramping up, you know? And I do think in terms of what's it all about, is it just a crazy story or does it have some meaning to it? I think there is a a slight element of talking about paranoia on airplanes, you know, there's people of different nationalities on there. And, you know, there there was a thing recently where a, a female comedian in the U.S., 
sort of recorded herself saying how nervous she was because there was a couple of Muslims on the, the plane, that kind of thing. And it sort of touches on that, but not completely. Mm. So what I'd ask is, first of all, is he imagining what's on the podcast? But also, does Joe actually exist? Or is he a kind of Tyler Durden-esque manifestation of his kind of anxieties and his mental illness? And actually, it's him who does all this, you know, but Joe is a kind of Tyler Durden. What, what do you think of that? Wow, that, that's an interesting thought. That, that, and if that was the case, that would kind of fill in a lot of potholes for me. Uh, because I find like jo- how Joe is so easy to like. Oh, I believe you absolutely. Oh yeah, well you know mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a pilot. Well I just I need the code. Oh this is the code. Okay great thanks. And that's the because to me that was the big problem. Like okay like, I was thinking did Joe set this up that he did he like fake this podcast and give it to this guy uh, and that kind of mm-hmm. set things in motion. But at the same time it's like no because he would how would joe not know about the 1015 but adam scott would that that to me that that that's the the stuff i was trying to wrap my head around so i think that that, i'll have to rewatch it with that in mind but that's a very interesting theory tom i like that see i think that the i think the mp3 player was there because you know it, it feels very true to the twilight zone that this thing would be left behind yeah you know like it feels very true and you know i'm i'm struggling I, for some reason, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I'm sure that we've had a situation like this in the original Twilight Zone where a character has found something which caused them to do exactly that. You know, like I, I was trying to think of the example. I think it's back time or back in time or whatever when he goes to try and save Lincoln. But I mean, even there, he actually goes back in time. Well, probably, probably more like the uh, the camera episode, the most unusual camera where they find a camera that takes pictures of the future. Or, yeah, um, there you go. That's a good example right there. So I believe that camera was actually taking pictures of the future. And so that's the thing about the Twilight Zone is whatever the mystical thing is, unless they directly tell you that this did not happen, it happened. You know, like the, there was a monster on the wing in the original Nightmare at 20,000 feet because they panned over and saw the thing ripped up. So that's my interpretation. Could it have been lightning? Sure. But my interpretation is that monster was actually on the wing and ripped it up. Is it believable? Not really, because the plane's going so super fast. But that's the one element that you got to disassociate yourself from. It's like you say, Tom, Twilight Zone can have one fantastical element. Mm -hmm. If they try to do two... That's too much. So the fantastical element in this is this t- this MP3 player from the future. Okay, let's go with it. So, and calling back to what you said, dealing with the multi um, the multicultural aspect of being on the plane, I I did like how he called back to it. And I don't want to go to other episodes, but you know, going back to your one episode on the uh, on the fugitive like i i think that this is going to upset some people i think this new twilight zone is going to upset some people and i love that it will there's going to be a lot of people Mm -hmm. who are going to be angry at stuff like this like i love the fact when he goes up and he's like you guys need to turn off this electronic device and the two guys are like we're seek yeah like hey man we're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) i know what you're thinking (laughs) but we're different yeah to me that's true absolutely because how many people you know like see People with turbans on and they're like, they're Muslim terrorists, right? You know, and I'm sure that these characters have had that happen to them in the past. And they're like, look, we're Sikh. We're not Muslim terrorists. We're different. Because they've had to answer that so many times before. Mm -hmm. 
and and, mm-hmm. and even even that, and then the, the the Russians, like he's like, oh, there's Russians on the plane. They must be a problem too. And he's like going through the yes. guy's stuff, like, oh my god, he's like going like like uh, it was it was so uncomfortable to see him in these situations with these other cultures because you know you know because you know what they're trying to say and they're doing a great job, like you said, Brad. They're not going too far with it, but they're like, mm-hmm. look, you you guys know what we're saying with these things, and ab- yes. that, that's very smart. Yeah, and it's it's subtle. It's done subtly, which is perfect, and it's gonna upset a lot of people. And that's 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 fine. Twilight Zone has dealt with this crap since the beginning with racial mm-hmm. issues and dealing with them head on. I look at things like dust. I look at things like I am the night, color me black. Okay, like back in the fifties, you know, we had we didn't have as cultural a country and a cultural North America as we do now. So it was it was Hispanics and it was African Americans. Those were the main uh, the main ethnicities that were dealt with in these stories. Well, now we can do it because we do have such a global planet now, and in our countries we have such global diversity in our countries mm-hmm. that we can deal with everything now, which is and it's wonderful because it's an issue. You know, without getting into it, I had the most crazy conversation watching replay with my daughter, trying to explain to her racism, and she's like, "Why is this guy doing this stuff?" And I'm like, "Aubrey." Racism doesn't need a reason, you know, and, you know, try, trying to explain, <sighs> trying to explain that to my daughter, like what a world we live in. Mm-hmm. This is, and this is going to be an important show for right now for dealing with these things. So sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, absolutely, man. You know, it, it's good. To, it, it's kind of having enough. I mean, this is the twilight zone. This is what we wanted to do. It's going to be important to people. It's going to create a reaction kind of thing. So that, so that's great. And, you know, they used it to good advantage as well. When he's going over to the, to the two guys at the front and I can't remember whether they were football players or something, but he's like, you know, you're, you're the, the kind of rough Russian uh, mobster. And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about with football players or whatever they were? Soccer, Tom, soccer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but he's, he's getting louder and louder. And, and you think he's got it wrong. He's just got these guys wrong. But then the actual mobster does come out of the other part of the plane. Right. And you think, oh my mm. God. So it's just, Beautifully done at keeping you off balance, I guess you know. I, and I think I, I think the thing about the, um, uh, the this new interpretation is you, you mentioned off balance. I think that's the key because in the original ones, you can yeah, in the original versions of this story, right? So you can kind of you can kind of guess how it's going to play out. Like, all right, okay, the mm-hmm. plane, the guy, the window, he's going to save the day. Blah blah. blah. People are going to think he's crazy, but you really he's got this guy. He's walking all around the plane, going. There's so many characters involved here. Mm-hmm. Like it's really it's kind of like a like a like a murder mystery kind of thing, but in advance because it's already happened and you're in the past of the podcast. So uh, that that was was really yeah. smart about it. One thing that we kind of skipped over with the discussion, there, I want to point out my favorite part of the episode um, mm. is the jump scare they got with the bird. I just wanted to yeah. call attention to that because I loved it so much when the podcast said that the bird hit and the bird hit and just the way that the sound design and him standing up and throwing the MP3 player down was the jump scare of the episode and I loved it. I thought it was great. So, you know, we, we had a previous jump scare in each of them when Shatner pulls back the mm. um, the curtain. You know, I, I just, I think it's great. I thought it was wonderful. I just wanted to call mm-hmm. attention to it and we can move on. 
That's okay. That's okay. No, it was great. Gr- good way of setting the scene, you know, and really kickstarting the kind of tension. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that, it's part of that ticking clock, Brennan, because like they're like, oh, at eleven fifteen p.m. and you look, it's like, oh god, it's eleven oh nine. We have yeah. we have five minutes left. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, again, references, references. The the guy on the podcast was called Rodman. Um, I'm sure there was, you know, we have Captain Donner. Yeah, Richard Donner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there was a Beaumont or, or something was, yeah. on, on a list. They mentioned uh, uh, Kravit, which I believe is the guy that played the Gremlin in the original movie. One of the like one of the crew's names has the same name as the guy that played the the original Gremlin, which I thought was a great call too. And I'm sure there's so many more little callouts that shows the respect and knowledge yeah. of the original show. So you know, I, I I doubt I'll ever be in LA to do a cameo, but if anyone's listening out there, just put me on a list like that, Tom Elliott. You know, on a list or a magazine cover. <laughs> Not LA, man. This is Canada. They're filming this stuff in, in BC. <laughs> This oh, is really? totally BC. Absolutely. This is totally Canada, Hollywood North. I could tell they filmed it in Canada when they're on a flight from uh, Washington, D.C. to uh, or New York. I don't know. They were going to, what, Europe? Where were they going? I forget. Tel Aviv. To, oh, I'm sorry. Tel Aviv, right? But they they seem to crash the Pacific Northwest for some reason. So yeah, I can, I can yeah, really absolutely. tell they did film it in Canada. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that beach is like kind of a, a famous beach in British Columbia. I'm pretty sure it's on Vancouver Island. I'm, I know I've um, seen that beach in Arrow and the X-Files and pretty much any yeah. show that films up there. But yeah, And those trees, like that's very Canada. This is totally. And hey, they talk about Canada, right? So, you know, and then uh, this is totally Canada. Like Nicholas Lee's in it. So this is Canada. Yes, Crycheck from the X-Files. But moving on. Yeah. Bob Greycheck. See, I'm a Brit. I wouldn't eat. I, it doesn't look any different to me. You, and you all talk the same. So I'm only joking. <laughs> um, okay. So he kind of, uh, Justin fulfills the prophecy of the podcast and causes, uh, you know, the crash of the plane. They crash on the beach. And then we have our twist, I guess, that everyone survived the crash. But as the podcast says, Justin was never found. Now, I guess we have two possible interpretations here because Jordan Peele says in his closing narration, an investigative reporter unwilling to investigate himself until it was too late. The flight path to hell is paved with good intentions. So he could be in some Twilight Zone version of hell, or again, it could be the truth that the plane crashed, everyone survived, but they killed him because of what he'd done, you know, and the the misery that they had caused them. Now, to be honest, I've almost killed people on flights for less than that, so I can completely go with this. But what what do you think about the ending? So the ending of this was the other problem that I had with the episode. I, I kind of think that the episode should have ended with them just going into the clouds 100%. after mm. Joe said goodnight New York and left it to your interpretation. Uh, I didn't want... That finale, and then him picking it up and hearing this second podcast and these people coming at him. This is like very Lord of the Flies, you know. Like they didn't find him. I'm guessing they ate him. I don't know. Like that's my like now. This is my interpretation. It just kind of changes the episode to me. Um, and I would have preferred had they just ended it right there, flying into the clouds. And when they actually did another scene, I'm like, oh, okay. This is it's still going. Okay. So it just, it did. I, I just would have preferred that it ended there. So the, the one thing was the conversation over the magazine, and the other thing was the ending. I think they should have stopped it just a little bit earlier. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, in the trailer, we saw like what we interpreted as, as a plane crash or something. You see debris floating around that. So I'm like, all right, I, I guess this thing's going to crash. Also, side note interesting that 
the the protagonist of the story gets less and less successful in every version. The William Shatner version, he kills the gremlin and everybody's fine. <laughs> the John Lithgow version, the gremlin just crushes his <laughs> crushes his gun and flies away and kind of wave, wave wags his finger at him. Uh, and in this one, the plane just crashes, so it's like getting left. Yeah. So in the fourth version of this, they're, they're, I don't even know what disaster is going to befall them. <laughs> He doesn't even get on the plane doesn't, in the fourth version. Doesn't even make it to the he dies. <laughs> uh, it's like 22. It blows up on the runway. But uh, <laughs> Twilight Zone and planes, right? Anyway, I agree with you, Brandon, a hundred percent. Because I was like, what is what is going on here? Like, I thought, okay, he's he's in some kind of weird purgatory because he's in like this weird kind of like wasteland kind of uh, it, it, dream interpretation of a plane crash. Because it's like, how do these people end up in this? Okay, you know, this plane crashes like straight in the water. There's no there's no way every single person survived and they're fine and they're all going to walk toward him and rip him apart like a horde of zombies or something. And that's what yeah. was going on. And I was like, what? I I thought it would have been more interesting to him hear the podcast like and he was never found. And and he's just by himself in this weird purgatory. That that would be more twilight zone than what we got. And I and again, tying back to what I mentioned earlier like it is cool to see Jordan Peele kind of show up and pick up the the podcast, like to kind of insert him into the scene more than Rod Sterling ever was at the end of episodes, with the exception of one. Um, but I think that's why they did that. Like, if it was classic, like you could just have—I see the original Twilight Zone, right? The plane kind of goes into the clouds. You see the clouds; it kind of pans up to the star field, and you hear the narration, and that's the end. But uh, I, the end is what confused me because, I, uh, mm-hmm. among other things. Um, that's the main thing. And then also, I was like, okay, so if Joe set him up, how did he not know the ten fifteen and all that? I was trying to, I was trying to connect all the, much like Adam Scott, I was trying to connect all the dots, and I just couldn't do it. Uh, so, and the ending is what really kind of confused me and threw me off. So, I, I, I don't Ooh. know because you, you thought something more supernatural might have happened to the plane, but it ended up just crashing. And so, so I, I, I agree. I think a lot of these issues I had would have been solved as if you said, mm-hmm. Brandon, it, they just flew off into the night. And good night, New York. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that would have been a better ending. So I'm glad that I'm not the alone on that one. What did you think, Tom? It's interesting. You know, I, I never really thought about that. I kind of accepted the ending that we got. But yeah, I, I can see that, you know, and it, it just would have ended on this ambiguous note and, and sort of left us wondering. But, you know, obviously it looks like the, they're doomed because of what he's done. So I, I like that. Um, you know, again, I, I'm not convinced that the plane actually crashed and everyone survived. Mm-hmm. I, I do wonder whether this is some sort of purgatory, but then you are potentially introducing two Twilight Zone elements in, right. into the one story. So that so there is that. I don't know. You know, it's I, I can kind of see both sides. Um, overall, though, I, I'm kind of happy with the episode we got. But I can kind of, I can see where you're coming from with that. I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again and see see how that plays out. So, you know, it, it might settle with you. It, it might not. But I think the the vibe I'm getting is overall the the episode worked for you guys. So mm-hmm. let's um, let's have a summing up. You know what what do you think overall of this one? Well, I, I think I'm extra nitpicky maybe because again this is this is a reinterpretation, although it is very different as we discussed. But of my favorite episode, they kind of invite that with the name, so it's it's a remaking things is a is a two edged sword, right? Because uh, you get yeah. the recognition, but you also get the well, the other one I liked better because. Uh, but I uh, I do think it's a solid episode. Uh, there are a couple things I again like you, Tom. I want to rewatch it maybe with the mindset because I was mm-hmm. a little because I felt like I felt like I think that's why I was a little confused and, and didn't 
like immediately love it because I felt like they were introducing more things. You got this very convenient guy who like, oh, I'm a pilot. I can take over the plane. And you have the patterns going on, which which Adam Scott, this character Justin, recognizes and tells him, oh, it must be 1015 because I've seen that number like five times today. Uh, that's a little convenient. And then you have the podcast. Is it from the future? Is it a setup? What happens at the end? Do they die in purgatory? So all those, all those, all those things kind of stuck with me. But all that aside, right, I the experience it takes you on is, is a great ride. And that, that's kind of the, the point of, of this, of Nightmare 20,000 Feet. That's what it's always been, just a great story, just a great ride, mm-hmm. a thrill mm-hmm. ride, especially the, the movie version, as you, as you love so much, Brandon. But, you know, you, you experience, like, his his trying to figure things out. Like, like he's the only guy, again, Twilight, classic Twilight Zone. One person knows what's going on. No one else does. He's desperate to get other people to believe him, to understand what's going on. But they're just shutting it down for very logical reasons. Like, if a guy did this on a plane... Mm-hmm the way everyone reacts to him is a hundred percent accurate. Like, like that is, that is true to life. And that makes it more believable. You're like, come on people wake up. But it's not like that. It's like, yeah, you got a crazy guy on a plane saying like, look, if you don't listen to me, this plane's going to crash. Yeah. Boom. Here comes the U S marshal. We're going to, you know, put you in handcuffs and you're not going to be able to do whatever it is you think you're going to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it is a very smart episode in that respect. And and I didn't, I didn't, I enjoyed the journey and watching it. I definitely enjoyed it. I felt more unsettled, and this one, seeing Justin go around to all the passengers and tell them to turn off their phone and going through their suitcases and stuff, <laughs> just as much as Shatner looking out the wing and seeing a monster out there. It's a different kind of unsettling, uh, mm. but it's a lot more real-world relatable as well, which is a great. So so a great update to a classic idea of a story, paranoia on an airplane. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yes, I have a nitpicks, mm-hmm. but I did really like the episode. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. This is a wonderful modern take on a classic story, a classic Twilight Zone story. And just repeating what I said earlier, they made the right choice launching with this one because they can get their their complaints out of the way because people will see this and then nobody can say all they did is remake it. You can't because they didn't just remake it. They modernized it. Mm-hmm. They updated it. So they're going to handle those trolls right <laughs> off the bat where all they want to do is complain about the show. and And then for all the people who do see it and then continue to see the complaints, they'll say you didn't watch the episode because it's not just a remake, which will then maybe Mm -hmm. change their minds to say, maybe I should check it out then because I just assumed it was a remake because of the title. So I think they made the right choice putting this episode first. And I can't add much more to what Zach said. Um, I think it was, I think it was great that the two problems that I had with the episode, they don't take away from my enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I don't have to like every mm-hmm. single thing that's written in an episode <laughs> yes, for exactly. me to like it. If that was the case, I would have stopped watching Game of Thrones on episode nine of season one when they killed Ned Stark. I'd be like, I didn't want them to kill Ned Stark, right? But that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's storytelling. Okay. It's an interesting take. I didn't like that. Whatever. The episode, I think it's still, I don't know. I, I would give this four and a half out of five, uh, you know, dolls from the Twilight Zone. So <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I, I just started watching Game of Thrones. I'm on episode eight. So, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, Tom. Tom, you should know it's Sean Bean. You should know he's going to die. Is that really a spoiler at this point? <laughs> <laughs> no, only kidding. I'm, I'm up to date on Game of Thrones. Um, so it's such a relief in a way because imagine we'd have waited so long, all this kind of excitement building up and oh my god the show is terrible <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's not you know but it's not so there's, there's two things that go with this it's i really dig this episode really enjoyed it you know and it's one i'm going to go back to and try and spot things in and is joe there or not or am i just making stuff up and you know see whether there's any clues to that um but there's the other part which is like 
I feel like the Twilight Zone is in good hands at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've got a whole season ahead of us. It does bound to be episodes that I like more than others. You know, that's just the way things go. Um, mm-hmm. but, but right now, I'm quite happy. And I just thought of one more thing, Tom, as you're as you're talking and wrapping up here. I I I did end on a more positive spin because <laughs> I feel like mm. I've been because I think we're, we're all have a very level headed even discussion here. But I've been the more like, well, I don't know about this part. Blah, blah, blah. I will say, you know, just as the concept, right? This episode, I just thought of this talking about it with y'all and hearing what you're saying is it 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 kind of it perfectly melds the storytelling of the original episode and the movie interpretation of the story because the original one is all about kind yeah. of the psychology, right? But the movie one is kind of like a thrill ride. And this one is like a combination mm-hmm. of the two together. And I think that storytelling-wise and concept, that's a great melding. Good. And, it, you know, it feels like the Twilight Zone. That's the thing. It mm. feels like the Twilight And that's the intangible element that you need. You know, we can talk about story and this and that all day. It's whether it feels like the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And it does to me. Let's touch upon something briefly. And I'm going to do it in a, in a bit of a different way because, Brandon, you have a theory I don't want to talk about it yet. It might become apparent as time goes on, but I don't want to be the guy who sort of pulls the rabbit out of the hat early and, and, uh, you know, ruins anyone's experience of it. So what I'm going to do, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to cut that clip out. And Brandon, you're coming back for for the final episode. Zach, you're welcome to if you want. See how your schedule is at the time. <laughs> and then we will play that clip and see whether you're right. So mm-hmm. go on. Go with your theory. We'll cut it here. And we're back. Okay. So we will see how that plays out in the in the future. And uh, and that's great. So that is our episode on Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. If you want to get your words onto the show, your thoughts onto the show even, then please do email me at tz2019, that's tz2019, at thetwilightzonepodcast.com. And you can email me about... Uh, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet and The Comedian, and we will put together a feedback show. Now, the feedback deadline on this occasion is the 6th of April, so have your thoughts in by then. And then after the episode where we talk about The Comedian, we will put out that uh, feedback episode. So have it in by the 6th of April. And, you know, I would love it if people put MP3 clips together it's, uh, you know, add some add some new voices to the show, that kind of thing. But if you're unable to do that, uh, then an email will be fine. So, gentlemen, thanks so much for getting on this flight tonight and, and talking some Twilight Zone. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm excited. I can't wait to hear what you think about the other ones. You're going to be joining me at different points in the journey throughout these 10 episodes. But I appreciate you getting it together so quickly uh, on this occasion thank you hey you're very welcome thanks so much for having us on it was a blast i'm really i'm really glad to be a part of this with you i'm glad i discovered your podcast you know because it's been fun and you know it, it it's weird because if we feel justified as fans that we've been you know you've been holding this candle and burning this candle and now it's your time tom because you've been holding the candle burning and now we've got new stuff to talk about and i'm excited to be a part of it and i'm very grateful to be a part of it with you because i, I love the twilight zone i truly do and you know it's it's something fun that i can do with aubrey you know we didn't mention it if, if the if the people are listening that write the show you know maybe cut back the f-bombs a little bit that'd be you know i don't i swear like a sailor on my own but we just don't need this many f-bombs but i mean you know it's 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 great it's really really good so but thank you so much tom i really appreciate being here 
No problem. To reiterate what Brandon was saying, Tom, thanks so much for including us on this. Like I like like I've said before, like you you're like the first podcast I, I downloaded on my my iPhone when I got one. I'm like, what are these what's all this podcast all about? Well, oh, the Twilight Zone, that's one of my favorite shows. Oh, that's a podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, back, you know, when you started this and uh and it's 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 been great to listen to you over the years and kinda of inspired me to go into podcasting as well. And I'm here talking to you about the new new Twilight Zone, right? It's great. Like it would have been great to keep talking about the old <laughs> stuff, and I'm glad it's there, but the the new stuff, right? I mean it's 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 great. And who better to do it than Jordan Peele, like you said, it would have been such a disappointment if this showed up and we're like, oh, well, I guess we'll go back to, <laughs> let's talk about the 80s show some more. Uh, but this is this is great stuff, and I'm very happy to, to that it's back and that we all get to talk about it together as fans and friends. Thank you, guys. It, it means a lot for you to be on this journey, too. So thank you so much for coming along. If people have enjoyed your contributions, where can they get hold of you? Well, as for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. Muscle host of my own podcast, Always on the Smallville. We talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman Show. We're on Twitter at Always Smallville with one S. Also, host of Standard Orbit, a Star Trek original series podcast. We talk about all things Captain Kirk and the Enterprise, old and new. You can find us on Twitter at Trek FM. And then finally, I have a podcast called Franchise Fatigue with my friend Brandon Shea Matilla. You guys might have heard of him. Uh, we're on Twitter at UFP Earth, and we talk about franchises, sequels, when they get fatigued, all that good stuff over there. So check us out. Mm hmm. Yes, I know. I gotta, I gotta record with this negative Nancy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. I am also on Trek FM with a show called Warp Five, which is all about Star Trek Enterprise with my friends, uh, with my friend Patrick. Uh, you can find me on Trek FM with Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. And you can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network and in our own independent feed uh, with Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, which is all about Hitchcock's movies. And my friends Chris and Tom, we go through all of the Hitchcock films one at a time in chronological order, and that's a heck of a lot of fun. And then every once in a while, I got an episode on Cinematic Sound Radio Network called Breaking the Waves, and it's all about electronic film scores. So check it out. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, Twilight Zone! And, and guys, I, I have an idea for a new podcast, guys. We should all do a podcast about airplane disasters and then put them on if 3 players and then just randomly leave them in the back of seats at airplanes and oh, see man, how that that's got to be some kind of harassment. <laughs> and we'll, we'll just hope that the right person with the right name picks it up. We're bound to get lucky one day. <laughs> Jeff Smith picked it, you know. So one day, one day. Okay, thanks so much, guys. And, uh, and next time i'll be with a new guest or guest speaking about the comedian so i'll catch you then goodbye for now